welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week I'm talking to Ollie Lester, a certified corporate health and performance coach who helps clients manage and resolve a number of disorders ranging from stress, anxiety and depression, to diabetes, hypertension and obesity. The foundation of Ollie's work revolves around the establishment of healthy habits as well as the development of self-awareness, confidence and compassion in order for the individual to better understand themselves and therefore establish paths to physical and mental wellness. And although Ollie works part-time for the NHS, his aim with the corporate health work that he undertakes personally is to help people in the workplace before they need the services of a GP or a coach in the NHS. Workplace wellbeing is something that I'm truly passionate about. It is a real priority for me. I believe that one of your responsibilities as a business owner and leader is to look after the well-being of your team. Whether that's doing the simple things like providing fresh fruit in the kitchen or arranging wellness days or simply being available there to talk to and having mental health first aiders within the team. There's so many things, big and small, that you can do to create an environment where people feel valued and cared for. I also believe the leader should set an example by adopting healthy habits in their own life. Sometimes easier said than done. Today's conversation naturally centres around these important topics, but you'll also hear about the interesting journey that Ollie has been on over the past few years. It's one that saw him quit his job in 2016 and travel to Nepal and India, where he trekked the Himalayas and spent time with Buddhist monks. He then also went to Poland to attend a cold exposure breathing and mindset retreat with Wim Hof. And it's these experiences that have had a profound effect on Ollie's approach to wellness. And I think they'll give you, the listener, a fresh perspective on the subject as well. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome, Ollie, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks for having me, Warren. Good to be here. It's really interesting to have you on the podcast today. You're going to learn a lot more, hopefully, about well-being, how we can look after ourselves better as business leaders. But I'm intrigued because, you know, researching, preparing for this podcast, it sounds like you've had a really interesting experience that started late in 2016 when you quit your office job, uh, which you'd had for over 12 years and travelled to Nepal. So maybe I should just start with, tell us a little bit about why that happened and what your experiences were on that trip yeah no good question so why yeah i enjoyed my time in the travel industry and it sounded pretty glamorous and yeah i did have some good times but it didn't really at the end of 12 years i I wasn't fulfilled on a day-to-day basis uh so it didn't make me um yeah feel happy so a bit depressed and sort of bit uh aimless i would say in terms of what made me uh light up 
So I uh, decided to, yeah, quit there. And yeah, I, I wanted, I, I'm, you know, still be a fan of travel, whether it's short, short distances or long distances. But yeah. I decided to go to Nepal and India for the majority of 2017. Okay. And just to give myself time and space and a bit of a, a bit of a life reset, really. And, and why Nepal and India? Uh, I did have, I, I've had had quite a lot of time in Nepal in in 2005. I did some volunteering there. Okay. Loved it. And I had been back there oh, two, in two week trips on to go trekking again. So it's a, it's a place I knew relatively well, but I hadn't explored everything okay. of Nepal. Yeah. Um, so I yeah I had a had a rough plan, but I kind of set my itinerary I don't know, a bit uh, footloose really. So I got involved in things like meditation retreats and. I spent time in monasteries with other Western tourists, like learning from monks who were giving lectures each day for kind of 10 days straight about, oh, just different perspectives and uh, on okay. life, which totally opened my eyes and, and mind. And just the elements of like self-compassion and self-awareness ha- had not really been in my realm for, for right. uh, yeah, well, potentially ever. Right. Um, but so, did you go there on the trip hoping to find a bit more out about yourself and reset? Yeah, I think so. But with no particular strategy at that point. But right. just, so there was no agenda. There was no, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be a health coach or no, anything no. like that. It was just, I'm going to go on this trip and discover myself a little bit. Yeah. And the only thing I actually lined up before I went there was um, oh, somebody through my travel contacts. They kind of arranged a three-week volunteering uh place staying with a family in a remote rural village and teaching English in their local school for three weeks so that was within the first month of my uh, okay setting off so that, so that was like going from busy UK life into yeah. mountain life living with a family which was amazing yeah and just yeah learning about how to kind of teach English which yeah that's a kind of a uh, in at the deep end yeah yeah exactly right so it's going to getting creative about what what you could get across and for these little uh, Nepalese kids, which yeah. was yeah challenging certainly. And did it the experience grow over the time? You know, you're there for nearly a year. You're there mm. for eleven months. Did you did you go on this journey and get deeper and deeper into sort of the meditation, the well being, and or yeah, I, I'm just kind of intrigued to think how did you go along this journey. Yeah, yeah, because one of the beauties that I only realised when I came back was uh, I wasn't exposed to Western content or Western media. I didn't watch TV. Um, right. And so all I was consuming was uh, reading books, reading uh, or um, listening to podcasts about health in general and life in general and, and just mental health, physical health, learning about what foods and how to sleep and yeah. all this kind of stuff that I'd never really had much awareness uh, in. Right. And it was just sort of really eye-opening. And because and, I had, yeah, months and months of this, I, I just got really addicted to learning about new things. Uh, and okay. I, I think that would... Be, uh, I was a bit stagnated yeah. in my previous kind of role. It was there, I was there for too long and probably didn't have a, enough growth in that time. So, yeah, having all these different uplifting and constructive inputs yeah, was really, uh, yeah, quite addictive. And I, I've, I still do... I still try and steer away from kind of the, the Western media because I don't think it adds anything to my life in a positive way. No. Uh, so the, the content I consume now is really conscious. So, yeah, again, reading books, 
watching okay. YouTube, which is you can choose your yeah, you're in control and yeah, curate, yeah. can't you? I like that word. Yeah, yeah. curator. Rather than see what's on TV and just sort of zone yeah. out uh, with no particular kind of aim. And if you use three words to describe the Ollie that came back from Nepal and India compared to the Ollie that went, yeah, what three words would you use? More self-aware, completely, and open-minded, and just with a fresh perspective, I think. Yeah. A more positive kind of perspective on yeah. life. And did people that you knew when you returned saw that you're a different individual? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just different kind of uh, energy, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And at what point did you then think, right, I'm, I've enjoyed that. I've, I've had that time out. I've reset. I'm going to turn this into something I'm going to do mm. for a career, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think... Yeah, during all the listening and uh, learning I was doing, I was trying to work out when I came back, yeah, how I would make a living in a more fulfilling manner. And just the element of uh, helping people kind of resonated with me. So, yeah, I kind of listened to podcasts around coaching and, and health coaching in particular. And when it really struck me when I came back after, yeah, that, that period away from Western worlds, um, how instantly kind of, obvious it was that people are stressed and and looking out of shape looking yeah. not well um you know from Heathrow airport onwards um, <laughs> the moment the yeah, plane yeah. touched the ground yeah. kind of thing and so that kind of struck a chord it was like being like I I, I uh, made the point when I got back it was like being the uh seeing the emperor's new clothes so right. by default I'd be living uh, out there you know sleeping well had a lot more uh, tools for managing my own stress I was wasn't sedentary I was you know doing active things and the food I was eating uh, although I wasn't cooking myself but it was all freshly kind of stuff uh, yeah. prepared stuff and cooking whether it was in India or Nepal was always you could always hear like pressure cookers cooking their rice and and just the whole there was a lot more time and priority over yeah. the whole meal preparation nutrition and, and meal times yeah yeah and and you know pick seeing pick people pick uh, veg from their gardens and they had chickens there so the, the eggs yeah. were on tap so uh, and yeah and coming back into sort of a culture where we uh, have a rushed kind of a yeah. priority or maybe not as a we don't slow down enough to to uh, eat and prepare food and we you know we meal deals on the go which is what I ate when in my yeah. office in Ballum <laughs> like eating out of a uh, Boots or Greg's meal deals was uh, my, my preferred choice. <laughs> so, stable choice of lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and back then also I, I had uh, gum disease as well, which I've listened to lots of uh, dentists on podcasts uh, illustrating or making the point that your mouth is maybe like the canary in the coal mine for yeah. inflammation in the body. And that kind of really that hits home now, uh, right. looking back. Um, so all the all the junk I was eating up completely Consumer. unaware yeah. was making my mouth inflamed and just uh, you know if, if what what's the uh, impact on your rest of the body if your hardest substance in your in your body is being eroded by the the, the, yeah. the junk that you're eating so that's kind of a reflective point. Wow, yeah, yeah. It does does make it hit home, doesn't it? And then after you came back, the travel bug, as I understand it, didn't quite leave. You went over to Poland. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. Having listened to loads of podcasts, uh, Wim Hof was like one of the ones yeah. I kind of had a deep dive in, and noticed uh, on his website that he was doing a December retreat in Poland. 
so that kind of coincided with my return flight home. Okay. So I, I kind of, I think I had five days left, or five days back, and then I hopped over to Poland and did a, yeah, Wim Hof yeah. course, learning about how to, well, breathing techniques and mindset yeah. and, and the, all the cold exposure, which yeah. was, uh, yeah, like very eye-opening as well, and yeah. mind-opening. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, because obviously, I'm, well, I'm sure a number of the listeners have, but I've have read his book, I've, I you know, try and fulfil that kind of cold shower philosophy, and and when I'm when I'm in a good place, which is probably the time when I don't need to do it, but I'm in a bad, bad place, I do do breathing and breathing exercises. But is that now that Wim Hof philosophy piece big part of what you do now? Is it ingrained in to your psyche? Yeah, I think elements of it are. Yeah, I always do a two-minute cold shower in the morning, Yeah. Uh, Monday to Friday. Sometimes I give myself a, a, a warm, cold, warm thing on the weekends as a, as a treat. A <laughs> little bit of rest, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like for a few years, well, ever since then, I've kind of had that as a kind of a metaphor in the mornings where you kind of choose to do a hard thing in, and then you get a reward of like a big buzz. Yeah. And when I'm feeling tired in the evening, say I'm, I'm coming home from work and I'm going out for whatever reason, I always do a cold shower to give me a bit of boost then as well. Right. And it's kind of a, it's a state changer for the good. Because yeah. if you're feeling a bit low or groggy or anxious or whatever, get, getting in a cold shower quickly is, um, yeah, you kind of get out of that It's an amazing space. feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, it's a reset. Yeah. I, I, one of the other uh, podcasts I listen to is The Daily Stoic with Ryan Holiday. And yeah. I'm a big fan of stoicism. And he just says like, oh, uh, you know, doing hard things, you get the benefit from doing those things afterwards and yeah. it's kind of a, uh, yeah, just a daily kind of ritual. But it is a mindset thing, isn't it? And I, I mean, so I suppose I'm a little bit intrigued to how, you know, when you, you work with business owners, business leaders, individuals, that sometimes adopting that mindset of you need to do the hard things mm. is a different mentality and a different mindset to shift people into. So how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I think it's kind of a, each person's got their own headspace and it's kind of asking questions around what they're currently struggling with and how would they like to overcome those struggles. Yeah, the little rituals of doing little challenging things to your body is often helpful for overcoming challenging things yeah. uh, at work or with your head. It's a daily kind of, a, you get something out of it, it's a, it's a short-term achievement, I think. Just, Just that, that euphoria. Yeah, euphoria. yeah, you're kind of volunteering um so you're choosing to do this hard thing, even though it's easier not to. But yeah. it's like having the, it's easier to dial a pizza on your phone or, yeah. you know, press, press Deliveroo on your phone. That's easy. But is that going to get you a long-term yeah. uh, result? Yeah. So you can frame it that way. And it's just giving that right analogy or right framework um, that resonates with that person, I think. Definitely. So you, you've been to India, you've been to Nepal, you've done the Wim Hof trip in Poland. It was that was there for the moment you thought right I'm going to train as a health nutritionist coach I think due to the uh, content I was consuming that was always uh, that was going to be the outcome yeah maybe it just resonated with me and, and listening to loads of doctors who were quite prolific on, on podcasts they, all they have um, realised is the, the, the medication is yeah, good for short term hits um, sure there's a, definitely a place for that but uh, if you want to solve your long-term mental and physical ailments that often comes from the things you do every day yeah um and just getting that awareness across is going to be 
more empowering to these individuals, whether it's a yeah, one person or a, or a group. If we can all be more empowered and more in control of our health journeys, then that kind of yeah, really hit home. Do you, do you think that message gets lost a little bit? Like in the same way, like, you know, you say avoid the media. Do you think Big Pharma has a bit of responsibility here that, you know, we're sort of nearly brainwashed. Don't worry, when you get ill, we can fix you rather than taking self-responsibility up front. Yeah, I think there is an element of that. There, I mean, in the NHS, we obviously get healthcare for free. Yeah. And I think the UK culture maybe relies on that free element. And seeing, as I work in the NHS part-time still, I certainly see some people who kind of maybe take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, but they, they kind of are attached to the system, if you like. If they're, if they're not creating their own healthy behaviours each day, they're yeah. still reliant upon uh, the medication, yeah. which isn't going to solve their health issue. No. It's just dealing with a symptom, which is fine for some people if they don't want to change, you know, carry on with that. But if you want to get the most out of life, I think the uh, if you can create your own health, yeah. you're in a better position for them to be a better version of you, which will have a ripple effect in work and family life and, and generally in yeah, society. Yeah, and some of this then comes therefore must do to creating good habits, doesn't it? You know, you've talked about some of your habits, you know, the cold showers and all of those kind of things. So any hints and tips for our listeners around how do you create positive habits? Yeah, good question. Yeah, one quote that resonated with me, oh, there's a chap called Frank Lippmann who was educated in Western and Eastern philosophy. He just said, good health is a result of the small things that we do on a daily basis. Mm. Um, so it's it's just having these behaviours and habits that, that kind of you can prioritise and repeat uh, yeah. as often as possible that give you the result that you want to get. Yeah. And, that, and it's not telling people what to do because it more, it's more asking people because if, if I just say you need to get in a cold shower every day, yeah. that's not going to hit home. You'll probably uh, stick your fingers up. And uh, But it, it's just asking a person what they're currently doing is that getting you the desired result yeah. if it is then great but if it isn't what could you factor in throughout your day whether yeah. it's the morning or the lunch or whatever it may be and it's just exploring ideas really and whether that's a, uh, food choices or how you move or better sleep or how you how you choose to manage your stress yeah all these daily behaviors and uh, yeah so, so you're obviously a big believer in your approach of just taking baby steps incremental steps time after time yeah. after time to get to the end result yeah. rather than a kind of big bang kind yeah, of I think approach that i mean like, the analogy of the tortoise and the hare is is been around for hundreds of years for a yeah. reason because like if you hit the hare and sprint and then stop you're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna win but many of us in our kind of whatever we do is it our physical health our mental health our mm. you know our nutrition we do go to extremes don't we that's again perhaps a western culture that it's, there's an on switch and there's an off switch. Yeah, I agree with that. And like you see, um, oh, you know, how about a 30-day challenge with food or whatever yeah. it may be, um, which can be on New Year's resolutions. I mean, yeah. uh, it's it's often too big too soon where then you see people just sacking it off in yeah. you know, the third week in January or whatever it is. So, yeah, baby steps and just asking them what, what steps they would like to take. And then yeah. it's kind of supporting them and keeping them uh, accountable for these little goals that they do want to do and then the more times like i mean any any habit you want to create the more times you do it the better you become at it yeah and whether it's a good habit or a bad habit 
and it's as simple as that I mean, yeah. you get good at what you practice yeah so if you're practicing eating chips you you'll get your yeah. body and mind will get used to that habit yeah but if you pr- practice um meal prep for example yeah. uh, or whatever it may be going for a walk in the morning whatever yeah uh, you get more in tune with that thing and where are you on the you know tech mm. and he says with a whoop on his wrist <laughs> um but where are you because there's a lot of kind of things that you know like fitness tech and that kind yeah. of thing doesn't actually create necessarily the right behaviors you know there's a recognition that actually and, and, and in Nepal and India they don't have tech do they and they do a lot yeah. of the right things where are you on the use of technology these days in living a healthier lifestyle yeah I think it can be good for that person who wants to count their steps yeah or reminding them that they've been sitting down for 45 minutes and yeah. get up and go for a walk so if that if that helps that individual then great but get if it doesn't better habits yeah yeah, yeah. if it doesn't then it's kind of having more awareness around how much time you are kind of controlled by or, or how much screen time you have, how much how much time you have away from screens. Like yeah. downtime away from technology, I think, is really important factor because, hmm. uh, with you know, social media and media, there's, there's so many ways you can get sucked into working on screen and then and being entertained or having social lives hmm. on screens. And as humans, we're we're social beings, and yeah. that will never be uh, anything different. No. So it's just having those kind of uh, boundaries, I suppose, and having yeah. you know adequate screen time and adequate non-screen time. I think. Yeah, and just making your way through. Yeah. And some key thoughts, tips around us. Talk, talk about some of the subjects we could talk about. So let's talk about nutrition first. Mm. Um, somebody wants to improve their nutrition. I know we're all different as human beings yeah. and individuals. But some quick, easy wins. I think. I mean, I say to people, or people ask me, like, oh, you know, what what should I eat, uh, or what what do I eat? I mean, I simply put, eating real food yeah. is is the way to go, and the way humans have always kind of eaten up until yeah. about thirty years ago, and it it's just having real whole ingredients as much as possible. Yeah, it's no nobody's perfect, and it's dealing with this culture that we live in and the environment we live in because it doesn't help in terms of food choices and food marketing is a big yeah. industry now and they're very good at what they do and all these uh, sort of manufactured processed foods are designed by scientists mm. to be addictive they even tell you like you know, the pringles you once you pop you can't you know you can't, can't stop yeah exactly <laughs> they're, they're not designed for health they're designed to to make money for that corporation yeah so I think that's that's got to be acknowledged because uh, food addiction. I, I speak to people who've you know got whether it's Coca Cola or crisps or right. chocolates or that this kind of thing. It's a, this is a genuine addiction I think yeah. for a lot of people. But to to have more awareness and more priority over uh, and more more conversations around like food and shopping habits even. Yeah. When are we going to go shopping? Uh, when are we going to kind of sit down and are we, how much time are we going to eat for? Yeah. And just having more awareness around, because I mean, going back to my Nepalese days, uh, the evening meal took like hours to prepare. That's not practical over here for, for a lot of people. Yeah. But what can you do? What would you like to eat in uh, a given amount of time what, and in, a, in a realistic time? Yeah, just it's upgrading maybe the, the food culture here yeah. from what it is now, which is uh, often less important as yeah. it was like maybe 30 years ago when we didn't have Deliveroo and yeah. we didn't have meal deals and all this yeah. 
It wasn't processed. It wasn't convenient. Yeah, it yeah. Was just and shops shut at five o'clock, and yeah. they didn't open on a Sunday, and we didn't have access to the internet, obviously, and and so it was it was harder to get uh, worse choices. Back yeah. Then. So it's easier now more than ever. Well, to I get, think it's probably easier to make the bad choice than it yeah, is yeah. now to make the good choice. Isn't yeah, it? exactly right. And there's no shame or blame in that. It, it, it is what it is. It's just life. That's the way the world yeah. has emerged. Yeah. Um, so it's navigating this crazy world as best we can. Yeah. And um, where do you sit on that kind of plant-based, vegan, red meat, no meat? Yeah. You know, where do you sit on all of that? Well, I think I've listened to so many podcasts yeah. from all kinds of schools of thought, but it comes back to eating it, uh, real food yeah. and ancestrally appropriate food, I think. And So what do you mean by ancestrally appropriate food? Yeah, looking back through human history, what what to be evolved oh, to eat? Okay, yeah, um, and it's quite a simple principle. And if it grew in a field, or if it, uh, I mean, or it was an animal that ate the food that grew in a field, yeah, or we we eat foods that uh, made on a farm, which farming's yeah. been around for uh, you know hundreds yeah. and thousands of years. If we can eat, yeah, real food, like it Simple doesn't have to that. be complicated. Real food. And within your cultural beliefs and your environmental beliefs, pick yeah. pick what you like. I think um, I know for a fact that the the three macronutrients of carbohydrate, fat, and protein, only pr- uh, fat and protein are essential for human life. Right. Which I think is very interesting because the the food pyramids that we see in Western yeah. cultures are all based on carbohydrate carb heavy yeah which i know i've done so many experiments on myself and listened to other people the carbohydrates uh, whether it's starchy or sugary stuff generally stimulate more hunger so i now know myself if i eat a lot of protein whether it's eggs or uh, fish or, or bacon or whatever it may be that will keep me going for a lot longer than say a bowl of cereal and a, yeah. and a slice of toast which i'll be hungry in oh two hours or so yeah. So, if I'm getting all my nutrients from uh, yeah, nutrient dense food, is it a good way to to get it as well? Which okay. Animal products are naturally more nutrient dense, but if you don't eat uh, eggs or fish, then then what are the most nutrient dense forms of vegetables or fruits that you can get? Yeah, I'm not going to say I, I never tell people what to eat, but it's just offering some awareness around what you're currently eating and what could you eat that that, that will give you yeah. a better result. Okay, brilliant. So it's like a quick fire. This yeah. we've done nutrition. What about alcohol? Fusing alcohol and you know cutting down alcohol, or should it be no alcohol? I mean, what's your, what's oh, your view on that? I think yeah, I, I still like a drink of uh, red wine or beer. Yeah, uh, I'm much more uh, aware of how it makes me feel and what my food choices are based on the fact if I have been drinking. Yeah. I'm more likely to that. yeah yeah you're you're more likely then to overeat yeah. or, or make poorer choices. When I choose to drink now, I'm I'm hopefully drinking on a full stomach because then I won't be craving or yeah. more likely to eat uh, the the worst stuff. But I mean, drinking I'm not gonna I, yeah again like you don't tell people you you can't have a beer or a wine yeah. or whatever. But it's um, asking them like what <clears throat> what would be your optimum alcohol consumption and what kinds of drinks would be best suited for you i know yeah. now uh where i was oh, back in uni days i would drink you know pints and pints but having two pints is like probably enough for me now because yeah. i it just makes me feel pretty bad and it'll affect my sleep uh, yeah. i wake up to, to go to the toilet 
and it just disrupts my sleep and therefore my energy in the morning isn't uh, you know isn't what it could it be. be yeah, yeah. So let's go on sleep then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As the quick fire continues, we'll, we'll touch on sleep. So, you know, sleep is clearly important to us all, isn't it? But it's probably one of the other areas of life that, you know, we're not great at adhering to, are we? So, same question really. Mm. Hints, tips, thoughts on how, you know, an individual that's listening to this podcast could think about ways to improve their sleep. Yeah, good question. Uh, there's plenty of practical tips but I think one of the easiest ones is getting morning sunlight yeah. for setting up your circadian rhythm because uh, that's just telling your body it's daylight and hopefully that will stimulate melatonin, which is the sleepy hormone, in the evening. That's an easy one that I've kind of factored in and my sleep is a lot better than it was based on oh, that one. And also I have red lights in my bedroom and my right. living room now because it kind of... Uh, simulate sunset so if you like your tech you could you could have like different colored lights at home yeah um and yet yeah, staying on the tech subject i mean yeah it's these gadgets that we use are very addictive as well uh, yeah they're all designed by the finest minds of silicon valley to make us sit there and consume all that, that stuff but having a cutoff where we kind of say right what's our ideal yeah. bedtime and then maybe work back half an hour an hour whatever's practical for you yeah to kind of uh, remember when to, to maybe go from technology to say a book or yeah. something more relaxing. Okay. And you don't, uh, yeah, another easy tip is like not, not watching alarming content, say the news or a, or a horror movie yeah. right towards where you're wanting to go to bed. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, different, different tips resonate with different people. Yeah, definitely. And it depends on your lifestyle and when you work and what responsibilities yeah. you have with oh, kids or whatever. Yeah. Some some sleep choices are, are difficult to make, aren't they? Because of those yeah, things. Sure. Oh, sleep gets interrupted because of some of those yeah. things. So in that case, it's kind of what other factors in life could you be more in control of, whether that's the food side or yeah. exercise or social okay, connections. Yeah. And so you're kind of um, doing what you can. So up your self-care in another area of knowing that actually perhaps I've got young kids, I'm going to I'm gonna get woken up once or twice a night, but just up your self-care in terms of maybe nutrition to try and counterbalance that. Is that what you're saying? I think that's a, it's an area to explore yeah, with each individual. Yeah. Because um, say if you're sleep deprived and you haven't got the right or the, the best foods that you could yeah, say... you're not fueled in the right way. Yeah, yeah. That'll have a ripple effect in the negative way. But if you've got, say, oh, you know, leftovers in the fridge or you've got a fully stacked freezer for, for stuff that you cooked in the past, then that's kind of an easy one to whip out and... yeah. Uh, so giving yourself a, a nutritional boost well, if, if you are in that sleep deprivation sort yeah. of mode <laughs> one of the things she just says definitely resonates with me and that's you know if I get I'm definitely a morning person anyway but if I you know get up and I try and do it three or four times a week uh, you know in the summer I'm getting up at 5, 5.30 to do it but it's easier this time of year now we're in sort of September when the sun's rising sort of 6 o'clock-ish is is actually get up and do my exercise go for a run go out on my bike as the sun's coming up and I know that I'm going to feel more energised during the course of that day if I do it. Mm. And it's just, it's just a subtle thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things I picked up uh, in my year away was uh, the concept of morning routines. Yeah. Um, so oh, since 2017, I've kind of trying to curate a, a morning routine. Yeah. Whether I've got 15 minutes in the morning or an hour yeah. or however long you've got, it's just starting your day on a positive note because 
how you start your day can influence your day. Mm-hmm. And that's a, oh, just a quote I've heard from a podcast. Yeah. So that, that kind of uh, hits home for me. And whether that's doing a bit of yoga or going for a walk or going for a run or a bit of, say, meditation, which I quite like still yeah. to do, or just listening to a uplifting podcast, just something to make you start well and that, that again yeah. means something to and I like that idea and I, I hadn't really <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it before but that idea that because there's a lot of this about the 5am club and all of that and these morning routines and again you know it's quite difficult you know and, and not always that doesn't suit everybody does it but having a different kind of morning routine depending on whether you've only got 15-20 minutes because you've got to be somewhere for a mm. meeting an appointment or actually this is more of a relaxed day yeah I've got a good hour that's a nice way of thinking about it, isn't it? And but starting your day still in a positive manner. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was, this morning I had, a, I had an early meeting. So there's this thing called uh, Tabata, which is a Japanese scientist. I think his name. Oh, yeah, it's named after a Japanese scientist. But the Tabata concept is doing something, an exercise for 20 seconds, having a 10 second break, and then doing that for eight cycles. So it's four minutes in total. So I did this morning like 20 seconds of press-ups times uh, yeah eight. So and after four minutes, you're absolutely knackered. Yeah. So it doesn't take long to have a strenuous workout Yeah. in a short space of time. So it's, it's a practical thing that I do when I've got an early meeting. So like, yeah. I always want to do some kind of exercise, whether that's yeah at home or, or going for a walk, whatever. Yeah, whatever it may be. Um, so you, yeah, I, I speak to a lot of people who say, I haven't got time, Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, that's effectively nonsense because we've all got the same amount of minutes in the day. Mm. But how you prioritise those minutes is um, up for discussion and up, up for exploration. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I like that. It's definitely <laughs> up for exploration. And so you're leading this really well now. So we'll go on to the final kind of topic, which is that kind of piece about physical exercise. And, you know, any thoughts on, you know, how people should approach that if perhaps you know they have been a kind of you know couch potato mm. been very kind of you know sedate for a number of years what sort of things should they start to think about doing i'd ask them like what do you enjoy doing mm. or what did you previously enjoy doing in your school days or or uh, yeah past lives or whatever because um, yeah again like telling people to go to the gym I, I, I don't go to the gym it doesn't really uh Float my boat. I prefer to do stuff either outdoors if yeah. I can, or with other people. And uh, but yeah, starting small. Like don't overwhelm yourself. I think um, yeah. setting the bar low is and, and trying to get an easy win to get momentum and starting. And it's just starting the habit. Um, yeah. So whether that's dancing or gardening or, or it doesn't have to be termed exercise. I think exercise puts people off in some uh, walks of life. So. Yeah. Having less sedentary time is a, it may be a yeah. good way to frame it. And how you, how could you do that? Yeah. Uh, how so. could you just be more active rather yeah, than yeah. more physical or, yeah. yeah. And that, that yeah. So some, uh, like you say, that negative term of sort of exercise. Yeah, yeah. Is and, it, you know, perhaps it's from school days or whatever it may be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people may have like poor memories of, you know, being picked last at whatever yeah. club they were in or whatever. Yeah, and do you like doing things on your own or with other people? And yeah. if you can have a social, a, a social element to your exercise, that often lifts people up as well. Yeah, keeps people more accountable. Okay. Uh, and you know, talking to here, you know, podcast generally our listeners are business owners, business leaders, um, and you know, stress is a big part of their lives. Mm. And you know, um, 
it probably comes with a lot of us in, in all ways, shapes and forms, doesn't it? But maybe if you're running or leading a business, it can be quite a stressful existence. And I've heard you talk previously about this kind of frame of, you know, positive and negative stress. I'd quite like you to just explore that as part of the conversation. Yeah, stress is going to hit everyone. And how you manage that stress is kind of up to you in terms of could you manage it in a positive way or, or a negative way? Yeah. So our negative ways are very easy to do in our environment again. So you could dial a pizza or you're not even dial a pizza, it's just pressing the button on your phone, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, or having a few pints or smoking or whatever, whatever. Or gambling is another big one that's easy to do on your phone. And so yeah. that could be a numbing activity. Or you could say, right, how could I positively manage my stress? And that could be going for a run or that could be having a cold shower or, yeah. or again, like asking what could you do in a more positive or, or healthier way than that, that you're currently doing. There are positive stresses. Like I mean, short, sharp stresses are a, a way to make your body stronger. So yeah, cold shower is a good example, but also yeah. having a sauna, that's, yeah. a, that's a stress. So maybe a 15 minute sauna, you, you, again, like it's a state changer. So if you go in there in a, in a bit of a bad mood or whatever, yeah. you're going to get out of your head and into your body because you, you're going to, that's a, that's a stress, isn't it? So uh, yeah as is like uh, exercise, whatever, yeah. or, or walking in a forest or yeah. uh, swimming in the sea or whatever. Um, but, it, but it is so easy, isn't it? And, you know, to revert to some of those negative ways of dealing with stress. And I, I suppose the word you used was numbing and just find a way of numbing the stress. The difficulty must come, and you must see this when you're doing your coaching, is how do you get somebody to change the mindset of dealing with stress in a negative manner mm. and a numbing manner mm. and shift it towards actually I'm going to deal with this in a positive manner? Yeah, I, anyone I speak to, it's like solving a puzzle, I suppose. And yeah. everyone's a unique puzzle to solve. And it would be asking them, like, you know, what you're currently doing, is that getting you your desired result long term? If it's a no, then what could you do that's going to get you a better result? And I, I, I speak to people about time they spend outdoors in general because it's very easy to spend. Mm. We live in an indoor lifestyle, particularly in the winter. And I think that's that's often a, an yeah. idea that, that they could embrace going for a walk in uh, oh, whether it's morning or evening or lunch or whatever, just giving that little time and space outdoors. Yeah. But yeah, it's just really establishing what their current lifestyle is and their commitments. And then, yeah, it's kind of one piece of, of their puzzle at a time. Yeah. I, I find it fascinating because like, uh, if they can come up with their own answers, that's, yeah. that's a lot more empowering and more likely to then happen to be yeah. their you know, preferred change. Perfect. And how does the work you do with the NHS compare to the work you do with business leaders and corporates? Yeah, I think uh, most of the people I see in the GP surgeries are on board with it, although yeah. some of them aren't as maybe on board with it uh, because it's free. So, yeah. I suppose it's, it's some of them have been told this is what you must now need to do. As yeah, the next yeah, step. yeah. But it, it's good that the NHS are embracing like more of a coaching approach Yeah, because uh, that, again, gives people more tools to take home and achieve better health. But, yeah, I mean, private clients and, and, and uh, corporates – because they're buying into it, they they clearly see uh, a need for a better working culture, I suppose. And yeah, uh, yeah culture. I mean, I, I um, another soundbite I heard from a podcast: culture is just a bunch of people copying each other. So <laughs> it, it's 
whether you're all copying each other, living in a, say if we don't take lunch breaks yeah. uh, and eating at your desk, that's just copying the next person. Yeah. That's considered the, the uh, preferred or uh, desired behavior. Accepted behavior. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So if we can upgrade these little tweaks here and there and, and lift the culture in a more positive life, life uh, light even, um, in a more healthier way, then you're uplifting everyone. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, you have to have to kind of like be the change, particularly if you're a leader, because yeah. um, it's not working. If, if you say, right, we're going to all go for a walk at lunchtime, say, but the, the leader doesn't doesn't partake. <laughs> Sit at his desk and eat yeah, his yeah, food. Yeah. Exactly. So it does require, yeah, change from the top down. I yeah. think that's a good example. Yeah, it's um, a great example. Yeah, each kind of business has their own unique stresses as well. So yeah. uh, accountants or tax people yeah. would have different deadlines throughout the year, uh, which would be yeah, different mm. stress levels throughout the year. Um, but uh, yeah, solicitors maybe... Uh, depending on what section of law you're in or banking, they've all got different um, pain points, yeah. I suppose, and it's good exploring what To understand what those and then that rhythm again. Yeah, yeah. And then it's kind of, everyone's sort of, yeah, unique as well. Uh, I've mentioned that a few times, but then it's kind of designing a bespoke kind of workshop or it could be working one-to-one yeah. with those who would resonate with more one-to-one coaching. And as, as we start to conclude, I've conversation is there any specific kind of success stories you know examples of individuals you've worked with or companies you've worked with that you look back on and are proud of the achievements i've noticed when a lot of people in our country now have weight issues or blood sugar issues a lot of type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes and that's often a really impactful hit on their mental health as well as their physical and when we um explore different food options because you can solve obesity and, and blood sugar issues quite simply but maybe not easily based on the yeah, the culture that we live in again yeah but when i've had people reverse their type 2 diabetes and lose a lot of weight and particularly around the, the waist that makes them feel mentally better and they yeah. feel happier about themselves and gives them more confidence um to then be a better version in and out of work or in, and in and out of family life so that's it's kind of a, yeah it's very holistic yeah. Um, so when you get a, a, a pro- progression in physical health, that often yeah gives them a, a lift in mental uh, health and definitely yeah, big connection between the two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massive. Yeah, definitely. And I always end the podcast with this question: in terms of your own personal definition of success, what does success look like for Oni? I think just feeling good after a day's work. If you can feel fulfilled as well as. Um, and it's just helping people help themselves with the uh, a good uh, sort of income as well. I think yeah. that's a win-win. Yeah, one person at a time, you can kind of help lift up society at the moment because I, I think there's a lot of uh, negative stuff going on. And, and yeah, we're not in a great physical and mental shape as a, yeah. as a nation, I would say, like zooming out. We're, although we're a, we're a first world country, um, we're not in kind of first world health, yeah. I would say. And one person at a time, it, it can be can be changed, but it takes. A, well, yeah, coaching can help. Can be a catalyst, I would say. So brilliant, fantastic, Ronnie. And if people want to know more about you, what you do, where can they go? Where they, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, on either on the website, just ollielester.co.uk, or on LinkedIn. Perfect. Come and say hello. So, yeah. Brilliant, Ollie. I've been really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for sharing your expertise with me and our listeners. It's been great having you as a guest on the Evolved to Succeed podcast. Thank you.
Thank you, Warren. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.